We are back, and uh, anytime you want to get a hold of Savannah, you can do that at help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and his number all the time, 416-216-5910. My friend, we always start with the week that was. We do indeed, you Johnny. Um, so uh, hello to everyone, and uh, this week, John, was, was a very, very interesting week. I actually okay. had a lady that called me just a few days ago. She's been listening for a few shows now, and, and she, she's on disability right now. Uh, she had a management position uh, fairly high up, and uh, she's on short-term disability. Uh, it's her employer who's actually covering that disability, and that's quite common, particularly with okay. larger corporations. I see it a lot with banks, for example. I have a lot of cases on the go with banks uh, who are the ones who are paying for short-term disability, but uh, they don't necessarily have the expertise to manage those kinds of claims, particularly when you're dealing with people who have, you know, not just the routine uh, uh, physical uh, issues that prevent them from working or mental issues, but sometimes you have certain medical conditions that are more tricky. Uh, you have more specialists and things like that. So uh, so she's calling me because she heard me talk about long-term disability claims. Yes. And in this case, what's happened is she's, she's, she's on short-term disability, but the employer has actually... Uh, contacted the long-term disability provider, who is Sun Life, okay, Sun Life Financial, that's the insurance company, okay. to manage the short-term disability portion of the claim. So she's not on long-term disability yet, but the employer who's paying that has asked the LTD insurer to manage that claim. So she's asking me, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. And I said, well, it's not unusual, and people shouldn't panic when that happens, when they get contacted by insurance companies uh, who are responsible for the long-term disability portion of their claim, uh, even though they haven't gotten there yet. They're, sh- they're still on shortened disability. Uh, and the reason why the employers are doing that is very simply because the HR departments for those employers just don't have the qualifications, the expertise, uh, the time, the ability to manage those claims. So they shouldn't be scared. It sh- they shouldn't be okay. scared. So, th- so, so, then, so then she asked me a very natural question. Okay, well, what happens down the road? What should I expect? And, and because, you know, I tell everyone who calls me that I speak with them, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need me. I'll explain to you what's going on, but you don't need me right now. Right. So, so, of course, everyone, before they end the conversation, they say, thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. And then they ask, well, when do I need you? And I say, well, you need, you'll know when you need me. <laughs> when, when you start uh, long-term disability. And at some point, especially with tricky disability type situations, uh, tricky medical conditions, more complicated situations, when when the disability insurer says, we have insufficient medical documents, or we've had our doctors review your claim, and we don't believe that you are fully disabled. If, if they give you anything like that that indicates... They're like, about to jump on you. You got it. Like, yeah. like they're about to, to stop your coverage, to stop your payments that you're relying on to support your family, to pay the mortgage. That's when you call me. You call me immediately when there is a red flag, and you'll know. It's going to be a gut feeling. And, and you know, I'm going to tell our listeners what I tell uh, you know, people who call me... Uh, you don't have to worry about these kinds of situations. If your physicians, if your specialist, family doctor, whoever's treating you, if they are supporting your disability, if they say you cannot go back to work, mm-hmm. I will be able to resolve your claim. It's not difficult. It's not going to take a long time. What we do need is we need the support of your physicians. And people should just be aware that when the insurance company seems like they're ganging up on you, and by the way, there's a side effect of that, obviously, John when the insurer starts giving you this, you know, these signals like they're going to cut you off, mm-hmm. that just adds to the stress. It, it adds to the, to the you know, to, to, to it, it prevents you from getting better. I mean, that's just the yeah. reality. So they need somebody like us, like me, my team, to actually handle that, to deal with the insurance company directly. 
And when they do that, you know, I mean, it's just amazing to see the weight uh, being lifted off their shoulders. Because you really can't do it on your own. I just don't even you attempt can't. it, right? No, you can't. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, keep in mind, insurance companies, a lot of times, they will play poker with you. They will cut you off. They will tell you, appeal the, the decision, the cutoff, even though these appeals generally mean nothing because you're appealing it to the same group of people that cut you off. <laughs> And, and, right. and they are basically banking on, on you not continuing yeah. with the claim, not going to someone who has expertise in the area who can resolve the claim fairly quickly uh, and, and without much issue. Is this where the two-year mark comes, sometime comes in? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, when you have people who have been on long-term disability for, uh, for a year and a half, uh, close to two years, when that definition uh, for, for whether you qualify for yeah. ongoing LTD payments uh, when, when that two-year mark uh, comes, usually you start seeing insurance companies, uh, uh, you know, making knocking moves on to your try door, knocking right? on your door, telling you yeah. that, you know, the definition changes, we need more documents, we need more uh, uh, reports, and things like that. i got an email here. I want to read this. Maybe you can answer part of it before we uh, take a break from Joe. Send us one uh, uh, to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Joe says, my good friend was in a, a serious crash in Highway 400 last Monday. Uh, broke a bunch of bones, still in the hospital. They need to do another surgery. He's only been working at his new job since the beginning of January, so he's, he's fresh. Two questions. Can his company fire him because he can't work right now? And the second question will be, I guess, after the break, uh, the guy that caused the accident is trying to call him and offer him money for his car. Oh, wow. Should his buddy talk to him? No, no. Okay, so let's do with the, with the second question first. Okay. Uh, when, when you're involved in a car accident, uh, and of course it depends on the severity of the accident, you're going to call the police or you're going to go to a collision center. Yes. If you are injured, uh, you know, never, ever make an outside deal with whoever caused the accident. Because if you accept any money uh, and you sign something, usually they want you to sign something that says, uh, you know, in exchange for that, you, you're not going to go after me for anything. Wow, you could be potentially compromising your rights into the future. I mean, in this case, uh, you know, Joe's friend, you're talking about fairly severe injuries. He broke a bunch of bones in the hospital. He can't work. Holy cow. No, 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 no. You're talking about a case here, and I don't know enough about the case. And and Joe, I would ask you to uh, uh, um, ask your friend to just give me a call, uh, and I'll, I'll speak to him. This is one of those situations where you can have a case that could potentially be valued at hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more than that. Yeah. You could, you could, wow, no. You yeah, three grand talk, for a bumper is not going to cover it. You do it, not right? talk, you do not accept yeah. this kind of uh, money. And, and just generally for people out there, you know, unless you're dealing with like a scratch to your car, mm-hmm. something that's very, very insignificant, and you don't want to involve the insurance company, I'm always in favor of letting insurance companies know you yeah. don't want to compromise coverage yep. by not telling them about the accident. But, you know, if you're going to make that deal, you do not make that deal if there are any injuries. Uh, now, this, the first question, I think, can his company fire him because yes. he can't work? So my, my partner, Lior Samfiro, uh, the employment hour, he talks about that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, the company uh, uh, should not be firing him. And this is a situation where we, we, can, uh, we can intervene. Uh, we can write the company and, and we can make sure the company understands mm-hmm. that if they were to let him go while he's injured, not only are they going to be in for God knows how much severance they have to pay, but it's a human rights violation. Yes, yeah. and, and again, w- one of the unique things about our firm and, and one of the reasons why a lot of people um, you know, feel that w- when they come to us, you know, we really can protect them from all angles when they're injured is that we really do deal with personal injury. So we deal with that aspect of the claim with insurance. Cool. And on the other hand, we have employment lawyers who protect you from the other end. You know, they, if you have an issue and it's happened quite a few times that companies, even big companies, 
think that they can let uh, an injured employee off, uh, um, just just fire that person. And negative. Negative. And we get in there, and, and it's it's a whole different ballgame when we get involved. If you want to email, it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and his own personal number anytime, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, just getting warmed up here on Talk Radio, AM 640. And as always, top priority are our amazing and most excellent phone callers. I got Anna in Oshawa. Hello, Anna. How are you? Hi, how are you? Great. You got a question for Savan? Go ahead. Yes, I do. Um, I'd just like to know if I'm, or actually I'm uh, working with agencies, so, you know, they send me in here and there. So I've been working for six months here at this office. Um, and hypothetically, if I fall and I get hurt and I'm not able to go back to work, I'd like to know if, if it's something the agency would have to deal with or and what rights as a person do you think I, I do have for that? Okay, so Anna, let me answer you uh, from the standpoint of, of uh, workplace injuries. Mm-hmm. If you are injured while you're working and if your employer is registered with Workers' Comp, WSAB, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. th- then, then you would be entitled to make a claim through Workers' Comp. Your employer would help you with that. Uh, oh. if, if, however, you're injured in a situation like, let's say uh, you're in the middle of... Um, of working, but you know you're traveling somewhere. So, okay. so let's assume, as a for, for, you know, as a scenario, you're traveling mm-hmm. to a client's home, and, yeah. and you know, on the highway, someone gets into an accident with you, and right. it's their fault. They're not. Yeah. They're not in the course of their employment. You are. So you're in. The, you know, you're going to a client, but they're just going mm-hmm. home. That person is at fault for the accident. You have rights as against that person's insurance company. Okay. Now okay. your employer is going to mm-hmm. have to obviously accommodate you. If you can't go back to work, they're going to have to keep your job open for you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it depends as well. Are you an employee or are you a, a contractor? I mean, that's a different discussion. That's more yep. of an employment discussion that you can actually sure. ask my partner. But uh, if you are injured in the course of your employment, uh, you know, in the office where you work, as an example, right. then you would be entitled to workers' comp. So it sidesteps the agency altogether. It has nothing to do with them. Nothing it's to do with them. Comp. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. You, had, uh, you had something else we wanted to uh, get off the top of the show, right? Yeah, I had an interesting caller. Okay. Uh, and this was uh, Monday of this past week. It was, it was a gentleman who called on behalf of his wife. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's been listening to me for, for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And, he, he, you know, he, he decided to just pick up the phone because they're very, very frustrated with the lawyer that they currently have. His wife uh, w- was injured in a car accident last summer. Uh, so we're talking about, what, six, seven, eight months ago. And apparently it was a fairly severe accident. Uh, she's 43 years old. Again, she has been having difficulty returning back to work. They have two kids. They're struggling financially. And he's he's asking me, what do I do? We yeah. can't get a hold of this lawyer. We have no idea what's going on with the claim. And when we do get a hold of the lawyer's secretary, uh, assistant, you know, she tells us, yeah, don't worry about it. We're just uh, waiting to see what happens. We're going to continue with your accident benefits claim. But in terms of the tort... The tort being the claim against whoever was at fault for the accident. Okay. Uh, for that, we're waiting for that one-year mark that we've talked about before. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. And, you know, my eyes always roll when I, when I uh, he- hear these kinds of situations. And, and I told him, I said, listen, I said, you have to make an appointment with that lawyer. And you have to, to ask why it is that we're waiting. My wife is not getting any better. She's going through therapy. She's going to the doctors. There is support from her physicians that she can't go back to full-time work. You guys are, are struggling. The claim should, over, should already have been started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I said to him what I tell everyone. If it doesn't work, if the lawyer you have right now is not responding to you, if the lawyer right now, you, you can't get a hold of them. They're not doing their job. Give me a call. We will deal with it. We will help you. I'm not advocating that people just switch firms. Okay, that's not something that I'm telling people to do. 
But it's no different than going to a doctor who doesn't do the proper investigation if you have a, a problem. Go right? see someone else. Yeah, go see someone right. else. I mean, you're going to switch. And, and, you know, if yep. you have a contractor that you hire to do something on your home and that person's not getting the job done, you got to go somewhere else. It's the exact same thing here, especially in, in the legal world where, you know, you could be talking about a lot of money. And this is money that's owed to you, mm-hmm. that's owed to your family. And again, these claims are not difficult to resolve. I, you know, I, I, when we train our lawyers at the firm uh, in employment law and personal injury and insurance, the one thing we tell them is this, you know, build up your skill, build up your, your knowledge base, uh, but, but don't overcomplicate these matters. They really are not difficult. Just move them forward. Make sure you don't, you know, you don't shelve a claim. You don't put it on the shelf and not deal with it for half a year or a year. Every, every claim is a person. It's a family. It's people who are affected. That's how, that's how we treat these kinds of claims in the office. So Van's number anytime is 416-216-5910. And to drop us an email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. You want to get a hold of Savan anytime, he's always checking his phone. 416-216-5910 is that number. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to uh, drop us a, an email for questions. I got one for you. You're, um, today was brutal just coming in. Everyone's doing 60 on the garden, right? You don't want to risk it in the ice. Now, if you're in a car crash or a collision anyway, other drivers fled the scene. Uh, you weren't able to get his contact info. He kept driving away. Can you still be compensated for any injuries? Yes, 100%. And a lot of people don't know this. They assume that if they're in a car accident and uh, you you have no idea who hit you or it was a hit and run, uh, yes, you're definitely able to be compensated for your injuries. Uh, Every Ontario automobile policy... in, in, in the province uh, has an endorsement that's tacked onto it. So when you purchase insurance, uh, standard insurance, this is not added, this is standard, uh, there's what's called an OPCF44R. Okay, for those of you who want to Google that, OPCF44R, right. that's something that's standard. And what it says basically is that uh, if you're in a situation where uh, you were injured as a result of a, of a collision with another vehicle and that person had fled the scene, so you have no idea who that person is, or, or uh, you were injured by someone who was driving without insurance right, yeah, or, or had right. inadequate insurance, didn't have enough insurance, uh, you are entitled to then make that same claim that you would be making against that individual who's at fault against your own insurance company. And it, 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 this is a safety net that the government built in to make sure that in situations where you have uh, a hit and runs or underinsured or no insurance, that you can still uh, make a claim for this money, for this money that's owed to you, right? We're not talking about money that you're trying to get from the system, okay, quote unquote. You, you're getting the, this compensation for injuries and for monetary losses that you and your family are suffering from as a result of this. So the answer is yes. If you've been injured in a car accident, you don't know who the person who hit you is, keep in mind, you also need to make sure that you can prove, obviously, that there was another car involved. And how you prove that is, you know, that's that's a question. I mean, usually you need to show some kind of physical damage to the Red car. Red paint in your bumper or something. Yeah, right you, you got to show something. But, yeah. you know, generally speaking, you're going to have that. If you're injured, there's going to be damage to your vehicle. Uh, so the answer is yes, you can definitely be compensated. Okay, I was in a collision. Say it's not a complete wreck. Uh, it was significant, I guess, but the police didn't come. Do I got to go to, a, or should I go to the collision center? Because yeah, quite it, often the police don't come out now, right? It, very, very often, especially when you're dealing with, you know, what do they say sometimes? A hundred collisions an hour or more than that even? Yeah, weather right? like or this. a minute. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I always tell people, make sure you go to a collision center. Make sure that you document the collision. And also, when you go to a collision center, 
uh, you, you get you get to to fill out a report and you put in the diagram of how the accident happened. Yeah. So you're creating a contemporaneous record. So if if it, at some point in the future uh, you need to file some kind of a claim, at least you have something you can go back to and say, look, I'm not making this up. You know, I went to the collision center right after the accident, or I was towed there, or whatever. And, and you know, here's the information that that I put there at the time. Uh, so, so that's very, very important because, again, uh, the lawyers, the insurance companies, they're going to refer back to that document. Uh, the other thing is this. If you're injured in a car accident, the police didn't come and you didn't go to a collision center, but, you know, a few months down the road you file a claim, how does that look, right? Awful. I mean, it looks awful. So, and, John, I think uh, I mentioned that before that on our show's website, uh, insuranceandinjurylaw.com, uh, there's actually a red button there that if you click, you're going to see all the collision centers in Ontario. Yes. So you can see exactly where you should be going, uh, no matter where you are, if there is an accident. Say if uh, you don't have a police report in your hand, but now you are injured, can you still make a claim against whoever's responsible for that accident? Absolutely, you can. Wow. Absolutely. And, and well, first of all, you obviously let your insurance company know about the accident. So yeah. there is that accident benefits claim, which, of course, we help people with. Uh, but in terms of whoever was at fault, what I tell people is this. Always make sure that you get the information for the other driver. Uh, get the name, get the address, get the contact info, everything. insurance information, everything, right? Uh, and, and that's very basic. Most of us know this. You don't need the police report in order to start a claim, but we do need to know who to start a claim against, right? Right. I mean, unless it's a hit-and-run situation. So just make sure you have that information. Uh, and a lot of times people give that information to their own insurance companies. So even if you, you know, a year later don't have that information, chances are when you gave it to your insurance company a year ago when the accident happened, they probably still have it. So you can get it from them. But yeah, it is important to have this information. You don't need the police report. It's convenient. Right. I yeah. always ask yeah. for it. I always want to see it. Uh, but, you know, we can get it down the road as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Uh, I'm going to throw another log on the fire, see if you can handle this one. Uh, didn't wear my seatbelt, time of the accident. I was injured, uh, but the accident wasn't my fault. Can I still make a claim for compensation? Okay, all right. So one of the first questions that I usually ask people when they, uh, when they call me or when I see them face-to-face is, uh, at the time that you were injured in a car accident, were you wearing your seatbelt? And I would say 95% of the time, the answer is yes, okay. uh, which is great, fantastic. Not just for the legal reasons, but just medically and health-wise. I mean, you want to make sure you wear your seatbelt. Uh, but what happens when you don't? Right. Uh, how does that affect your claim? Does it mean that you can, um, does it prevent you from getting compensation? Because you were no. negligent? No. Okay. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so, so yes and no. Okay. <laughs> You're entitled to compensation. If somebody was responsible for the accident, like let's say you were rear-ended as an example, or you were sideswiped, okay? okay. And, and, you know, your, your head hit the, the window and, and, you know, you got jerked back and forth. Uh, you are entitled to compensation from the insurance company of whoever was at fault. Okay. You can make a claim. But when the claim proceeds down the road and it comes out that you are now wearing a seatbelt, there is going to be a reduction on your damages award. And, you know, different, uh, there's been different situations where sometimes they reduce your award by 5%, 10%, up to 25%, okay? So when, you're ne- when, when there's a negotiation with the insurance company on how much money you should be getting for your injuries, yep. let's say the magic number is 100000 it's going to be 100000 less whatever that reduction is, whatever, again, is negotiated. But generally speaking, there's going to be some kind of reduction for the fact that you are contributorily negligent for the extent of your injuries. So not for the fact that you were injured, but for the fact that your injuries are what they are, and they probably would have been a little less had you worn the seatbelt. So basically, don't be an idiot. Buckle up. 
Right. Not just for exactly. the, again, not just for the legal reasons, but just uh, generally speaking, it's common sense. Always buckle up. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca and Savan's number 416-216-5910. You know, we talk uh, quite a bit on the show about uh, the, uh, the repercussions of picking up the phone. So if you're in a uh, car accident, not at fault, and the insurance company for the at-fault driver tries to contact you, do you speak with them? No. <laughs> I didn't think so. No, and why not? I mean, who, who again, let's, let's look at this. So you're in a car accident, you yep. were injured. Uh, the insurance company for the person who caused the accident is calling you. Why do you think they're calling you? To say hello? To say good morning? No, they're calling you because they understand that there is a possibility here that you're going to make a claim for your injuries. And what does that mean for them? It means for them having to shell out money. So what do they do like every other insurance company out there? They're trying to cap their exposure. Well, the way they do that is contacting you as soon as possible, talking to you, perhaps even getting you to sign authorizations, releasing your own medical records to them, to this third party, and uh, so that they can actually assess what's going on. And then what happens is uh, they, they hope to God that uh, you know, they, they can get to you before you get a lawyer who deals with this kind of uh, stuff like us. And, uh, and offer you uh, a few thousand bucks to settle your claim. And, and I've seen this time and time again. And I'm not faulting insurance companies f- for doing that. Uh, but why, what I will say is that people who do pick up the phone and actually engage in this back and forth when they are injured with this insurance company, again, not their insurance company, but the insurance company of the at-fault party, mm-hmm. you are doing this at your own peril. Okay, you're dealing with professionals. This is their job. This is what they were trained to do. They are trained to protect their insured that their person, the person who caused the accident. Uh, so, you know, never negotiate with them, never talk to them, certainly never release your medical records to them. And they're going to ask you to do that. And they're going to dangle a carrot in front of you. Do not do that. Okay. Uh, you know, even, even if you give me a call and within a few minutes, I'll tell you if, you know, what, what the value, potential value is of your claim. At the very least, you'll know if you want to go on your own and still do it yourself. Like at least you'll know, it, right? yeah, you'll know exactly what it is that you should be doing or saying. Yeah. I mean, I never advise that, but some people are just adamant that they want to do it themselves. Okay. You want to do it yourself. You want to do it yourself. I mean, I, I can give you advice. I can, I can tell you what I think. At the end of the day, it's up to you how you want to proceed. But my advice is don't talk to the insurance company of the person who caused the accident. Plus, it's a, a lot of it's in the verbiage, right? They, 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 they can get you saying things that maybe you sure. aren't think uh, the language is not going to harm you at all, but it could be absolutely detrimental, right? Absolutely. And, and you know where I see that a lot with car accident uh, uh, victims. So, for example, let's say that the insurance company for the person who's at fault meets with the injured individual mm-hmm. and they'll get a statement from them. And in the statement... You know, of course, listen, if this was a rear-end collision, they're not going to be able to do anything and, and somehow get away from having to pay you. But here's what they could potentially get you to say. They could potentially get you to say, oh, well, you know, the injury is obviously not that bad, and, and right now I can still do everything around the home. Th- they, can, they can ask you certain questions which you innocently are going to answer. And by the way, most people are not complainers. They don't want to say, oh, you know, my back hurts, I can't get out of bed. They're not going to say that. They're going to try and downplay it, especially to someone uh, who's a third party, someone that they don't know. Um, and, and, you know, so, so you have that statement where you've said those things, you've now signed it, and now a year later you still go, can't go back to work, you still have issues at home, you want to file a claim, but they're going to point back to that statement that you gave, signed, a Brutal. week, a month after the accident, Brutal. saying, oh, I'm okay. Well, if you were okay back then, how is it that you're not okay now? Injuries usually get better. They heal. They don't get worse. 
So again, very, very important. Be very, very careful speaking or communicating with the insurance company on the other side. And it just leaves so much more work for you to do to backtrack and get out of that statement, yes? Yeah, it's very difficult sometimes to repair the damage. Sometimes it's not repairable. Uh, I mean, we're very, very creative. One of the things that we, we pride ourselves on uh, at our firm is, is that, you know, the law for us is, is very exciting. It's something that you know, we see as, as a tool, it's, it's, uh, we're able to get around a lot of hurdles, we're able to, to uh, you know, to, to, to really advance our clients' claims, whether it's personal injury, whether it's an insurance dispute, uh, an employment, uh, wrongful dismissal matter, it, we're very, very creative in how we approach and how we use the law to the advantage of our clients. Love it. But we can't do everything, okay? Right. We're still working within the confines of the law. Dropping us an email if you want to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I'll read one quickly here before we move on. Got to... Uh... I'll take Steve. Uh, he's up in Aurora, says, I was on my way home uh, from work last week when a truck went through a red light and clipped my car from the back. Uh, spun my car, ended up in a ditch. Uh, the fireman had to cut open my door to get me out. Broke three ribs, hit my head on the window. Been at home since then and been able, uh, haven't been able to work. Not sure what to do. So he's got some decent injuries there. Right? Uh, yeah, he does. Steve, I'll tell you what to do. You give me a call. You give me a call and we'll talk, and I'll explain to you exactly what all your options are. You're going to be entitled to benefits from your insurance company, uh, and you're not going to be categorized in what most people find themselves in, which is this minor injury guideline. So just okay. to, to for the listeners who don't know about this, that haven't heard this before, if you're in a car accident and you didn't break anything, any bones, you didn't tear any, any ligaments, anything like that, if it's what we call soft tissue, back pain, neck pain, things like that, the insurance companies are going to put you in a category called the MIG, M-I-G, Minor Injury Guideline. It sounds scary. It is scary. Uh, and th- this was passed uh, a few years back, uh, of course, at the request and the lobbying of the insurance industry. Of course. And what they've done is they've minimized the benefits that they would be paying you. But, you know, in this case, Steve, you broke a few bones. You're not going to be in the MIG. You're going to be entitled to up to $50,000 from your own insurance company for medical rehabilitation treatments. Uh, You know, you're obviously not working, you said, so there's income replacement benefits you're going to be entitled to. But more importantly, uh, we have to start a claim really quickly against whoever caused the accident, against the trucker that clipped you. Roy in Brampton, welcome to the show. You have a question, Roy? Hi, Salman. How are you? Good. How are you, Roy? Not too bad. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. The question is for my friend. Uh, he's been working uh, at this construction company since 2009. Yes. And, uh, and he got hurt, right? He got hurt, and uh, he was placed on short-term disability by the insurance company. And then uh, he, he um, I don't know what happened, but he wasn't able to file for the long-term disability. Okay. And, but the WSIB has only been paying him like $30 a week. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on a regular basis, and he he can't work. He hasn't worked since two o nine, but yeah. he he works um, as a paper, a paperer, well, you know, drywall and tape. Okay. Yeah, and he he, he can't raise his hand, and he, pretty well, you know, he hasn't worked since two o nine. Okay, so he hasn't worked since 2009 because of a workplace incident, okay, because obviously he's getting workers' comp, WSAB. Uh, explain right. to me again, he was on short-term disability, but then there was a problem, he wasn't able to get long-term disability? Well, he, he was on short-term before, Yeah. and it was fine, but when the short-term ended, they, they uh, didn't put, put in the, uh, I'm not sure whether he forgot to put in the paperwork for the long-term disability, but they ruled him out. They said, well, I'm sorry, you know, you, you didn't put it in on time and blah, 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 and, so they they um, they disallowed his claim. So he's only getting like thirty dollars from WSIB at the moment. And now WSIB is settling. They want to settle, and they're, and they're forcing him to settle. 
you know, for, for right. future, against future claims. So what does he do? Right. Well, you know, the uh, the problem here that I see, the major problem, is not so much the workers' comp situation. I mean, I don't know all the intricacies of the case. And, and Roy, I'm, I'm happy to speak to your friend uh, off air and get more information and, and maybe give some guidance. But, you know, in these cases, it does happen sometimes that someone gets shortened disability. And for whatever reason, there is a problem getting long-term disability when it, when it is available. And yeah, I, I it's, it's there's a whole slew of reasons, a whole sorry, host of reasons why why this could potentially happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very important to file for long term disability to speak with HR at the company to make sure that there is a smooth transition, uh, because if you don't do that, and this is a 2009 incident, I, he he's he may be out of time at this point. Uh, so again, we don't have all the information, but Roy, get your friend to call me. I'll speak with him and I'll see if I can help. That number is four one six two one six fifty nine ten. Help at the insurance lawyer and on online to insuranceandinjurylaw.com. That would be the website. More of the show, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, coming up, Talk Radio, AM 640. And the phones is where we will go. Thanks for hanging on there, Mike in Burlington. You have a question for Lior? Uh, pardon me, Lior. He's not here. Savannah is, though. I don't know where Lior is. Where is that guy? No, you have the good-looking guy here. Oh, oh what a <laughs> shot. Guy can't defend himself. Go ahead, Mike. Hi, good day. Thanks for having me on. Great show. Thanks, Hi, Mike. Uh, quick question, so, uh, Sylvain. Sure. I was um, uh, rear-ended four years ago by a person on their cell phone as at a dead stop. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I just have a quick question. Uh, at that time, uh, the physiotherapist uh, assessed my injuries as minor. You just alluded to the minor, Meg, on the, on the station here. Mm-hmm. Um, assessed as minor. Since then, I have seen a functional assessment specialist, a couple of physiatrists, and the injuries have progressively gotten worse, um, mm-hmm. all documented with medical, you know, paperwork. Right. Um, my question is: um, Is it possible to be recategorized? I guess from the minor to the major, because this I, I've I have gone through three rounds of treatment plans through the physiotherapist, and since then I've accumulated forty-two thousand dollars in my own mm. personal expenses for treatment. Right. Um, so what's the take to get from minor to major? I do have a lawyer. I haven't been able to contact them to have these questions answered um, mm. at this time. And I know, I think yeah. I know what you might say to that, but... Uh, okay, well, let me deal with the substance. Possible. No, absolutely. Let me deal with the substance of what you've asked me. So uh, it, it does happen. I mean, I do see it uh, sometimes where you have these kinds of injuries that uh, start off as what appears to be minor and for whatever reason, for some people, for a small segment of the population, uh, it becomes chronic despite uh, all treatments. And sometimes there's a psychological component. Sometimes it's, it's, a, it's an overlay, uh, psychological, physical. In, in any event, uh, to answer your question, uh, uh, Mike, uh, yeah, it is possible to take it outside of the MIG. There's a few things that have to be done. There's a few assessments that have to be done. Uh, you know, w- when someone is in the MIG, that's not a death sentence, okay? A lot of times we can get them out of there. We, we, we have to make sure it's legitimate. I mean, for us, it's very, very important that, that you know, when we're saying that someone should not be in the MIG uh, because perhaps there, there are pre-existing issues that the person was dealing with, pre-existing conditions uh, that are uh, not, a- not enabling the person to go back uh, to full capacity after the accident. You know, the MIG or the legislation that governs this doesn't say that if you didn't break anything, you didn't tear anything, you're going to be in the MIG forever. It just says that you're going to be in the MIG. So there's certain things that can be done, but, but you know, I, I'm not sure why your lawyer hasn't dealt with it. Let me ask you something, Mike. Uh, has a claim started against the, the person who rear-ended you? Yes. Okay, good. So the amount of money that was accumulated by you at this point for the physio and the rehab, that should, that should if to the extent that your own insurer doesn't cover it, that's going to be advanced as against that other person's insurance company. Did the lawyer explain that to you? 
Uh, no. Okay, that's very, very important. And, and by the way, that $40-something thousand dollars, have you incurred it yourself right now, personally paid it? Or, or is it something on, you owe the, 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 the physio? That was on my line of credit. My wife just had to re, and I had just had to remortgage. Oh, boy. Um, okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of very good clinics out there, and, and I, I usually don't refer anyone to any clinic because I don't want there to be a disappearance, like I'm sending someone to a particular clinic, but there right. are clinics out there who will actually provide these services, uh, and, and you sign an authorization saying when there is a settlement against whoever was at fault with their insurance company, then the clinic gets sure. paid. So, it, you know, it's very it's distressing to hear that, that you guys had to remortgage and you're in the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Your claim is four years old. In these situations, I rarely tell someone to go to another lawyer because you're going to get a huge bill from your own lawyer for leaving them. But you have to make sure you get that appointment with the lawyer to ask them, what is going on with my case? There's another thing that I'll tell you. This happened four years ago. Your claim against whoever was at fault for the accident, barring anything that you haven't told me here, any unforeseen circumstances, it should have already resolved. I mean, it should be the, done. Right? It should be done. Yeah, I mean, these claims should not take so long to resolve. Really? Sometimes they do, but but mm. they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. But to answer your initial question, uh, the fact that you were put in the MIG initially doesn't mean that you don't qualify to to be to be taken out of it. Uh, so so listen, give me a call. I, I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, you know, unless the lawyer you have right now really is not doing what they're supposed to, I would tell you stay with them, mm-hmm. uh, just from a practical standpoint. We'll get to uh, Lisa next and Peter Rowe. Hello, Lisa. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Hi, thanks, for, uh, thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I was just calling. I was an accident benefit adjuster for 15 years. Okay. And now I'm an actual registered insurance broker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I switched to different sides. But my thoughts um, deal with the amount of fraud and exaggerated fraud. The difference between straight out fraud, cause the accident, um, and you as giving legal advice, how do you weed out people that are just dealing with exaggerating their injuries a little bit because mm-hmm. they know that there could be a payday. And and thirdly, the treatment centers. And if you have a legitimate injury, but you've been mixed in with the clinics that you know, you just have a funny feeling, but you don't understand on the greater scale. Well, you know, if there's... Yeah. Going on. Sorry. Well, well, Lisa, thank you very much for calling in and asking these questions. And John, I love nothing more than having someone who's in the industry who calls sure. in, uh, who asks these kinds of types of questions, because, the, the, you know, the reality is that there is fraud here, just like there is fraud in the construction industry. In every industry, there's fraud. And, and it's really hit insurance companies hard. And there is legitimacy to the fact that they're trying to fight it back. Uh, the problem is, like in any scenario where, you know, there is fraud, uh, you know, a lot of times the measures you take affect the general population. It, it creates a situation where, you know, people who are legitimately injured are now stuck with, with you know, significantly less benefits than they should have. Uh, and the question is, how do I weed out uh, these kinds of claims? Yeah. Well, first of all, reputation is of the utmost importance for me, for my lawyers at the firm. And it's very, I'll tell you why. It's, it's for, a, for a practical reason. Uh, when, I, when I have a case against another lawyer, I want that lawyer to understand that if I'm advancing that case, that case has merit. And that's going to go a long way in resolving the case in favor of my client. Mm-hmm. A- and that's huge because it builds trust with the defense lawyers. It builds trust with the adjusters, with the insurance companies. And I take this approach because I used to work for insurance companies. Right. And defense lawyers and insurance companies know which firms out there are advancing, advancing you know, the types of claims that really the injuries are not legitimate, uh, uh, the person's lying. So anyways, how do I weed out these claims? I'll tell you how. I meet every person that I take on. And if that person asks me certain questions which raise red flags, mm-hmm. I immediately tell them I'm not the lawyer for them. I'll give you an example. When I have someone telling me, well, 
you know, I had these injuries and uh, I'm wondering if I should go back to work or not. Because, you know, if I go back to work, then I can't advance that claim that, you know, I have an income loss. I, I, when I hear that, I say, I, I'm not, you're, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you can go back to work, you go back to work. Yeah. If you don't have a legitimate claim, I can't help you. I'm sorry. And, and you know, by the way, just be careful because you're going you're gonna to find Joe Schmo down the road who's going to take on your case. And they're going to put you through hell. And your case is going to resolve probably 10 years later. And you're going to put a thousand or two in your pocket. It may be. And that's assuming yeah. that, that at the end of the day, you know, you've been able to pull something over the insurer's eyes. Because insurance companies are sophisticated. Uh, defense lawyers, a lot of them are my friends. Very smart people. They know what they're doing. They're right. using common sense. So it's actually not difficult to weed out those small, small claims that are not really worthwhile for the person to pursue. Uh, and, and, you know, cases where I know for a fact that the person is just lying to me. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming up. Talk Radio, AM640. Getting ready to uh, put this sucker to bed. We'll get to, uh, to Mansoor. Thanks for uh, hanging the line, Mansoor. We appreciate that. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. Good, pal. What's up? So, so I'm a physician, okay? And I deal with uh, these uh, patients every once in a while for assessment. And what bothers me is a lot of them, really, they have no claims whatsoever. And hmm. what bothers me is that they've been encouraged by people in the law. I'm not accusing your guest, obviously, he's a very decent person, but they're encouraged by people like in this profession. And to me, it kind of smears this profession badly because to the point where somebody is making a claim against somebody, he rear-ended, you know what I mean? I, I caught one of the patients one time, she came to me to see me and she claimed she cannot move the left hand whatsoever, which is okay for me as a physician. And then it accidentally followed her the limo was waiting for her. She comes out. She opens the door, slams the door, and walks with the same hat. <laughs> so it bothers me a lot because it's affecting my premium for my car, for my family, stuff like that. I wish that you could send a message uh, from this podium to people in your profession to have, I don't know, more being more ethical. Because I'm a physician. I look after patients. And that's just the, the thing. I, I, I hear it. It, it, it. I think it's affecting your profession as lawyers. There's a lot of decent you know, patients and, and people mm-hmm. who are injured. But there's a lot of people. But the problem, I feel, with those, with all these ads, they are being encouraged by these lawyers to go ahead and make a claim we're going to look after it for you. Thanks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mansoor, you are 150% right. And, you know, there is a, there is a huge debate internally uh, with, within the legal profession, specifically with personal injury lawyers, how much is too much. And I'll tell you, because I worked for insurance companies, because I, I was on the other side and I was, I was really pissed off, John, when I saw these types of claims coming across my desk that had no validity, no, no merit. Uh, you know, when, when someone trips over their own two feet and then says someone else is to blame, they're not taking accountability. <laughs> no, I, I don't take these kinds of cases. And I'll tell you right now, uh, uh, Mansoor, uh, you know, obviously you, you have, you have uh, uh, ethics. You know, you, you're, you're a person that wants to do what's right. You know, there are people, a lot of lawyers in my profession, a lot of my friends that I know personally, that would never advance a claim like that. And of course, in like in every other profession, mm-hmm. every other, even with physicians, there are some of those out there who, you know, for them, it's the quick buck. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they don't care that they're putting someone through this legal process and dragging them through it and doing mm-hmm. what. When someone comes to our office, whether it's employment, whether it's personal injury, whether it's insurance, we assess the claim. We tell you off the bat, can we help or can we not? Mm -hmm. And we tell you that if we can help, here are your options. 
you know, if you knew the amount of times that I dissuaded people from making claims because I didn't think that it would make sense for right. them or it was not right or they didn't have the legal rights, mm-hmm. it, this is what should be done. So, so Mansour, from this podium, I will tell you I agree with you 100%. Uh, there are a lot of good lawyers out there, and they think the exact way that I do, and I wish that the ones that didn't didn't practice, but I don't have that control. We'll do it all again next week. You didn't get your uh, questions answered. You can ask Savan personally, 416-216-5910, help at the insurance lawyer and for questions online, go to myaccidentquestions.com or mydisabilityquestions.com. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640.